1: Then again, it can be inspiring. Every year, Harvard Business School Executive Education helps executives like you build the self-confidence and decision-making skills it takes to thrive on change. Fight change with change. Go. Start by going to hbs.me go. That's hbs.me go.
3: Right, we're going to gonna chat to Gabe Lesbro now from the Managing Madrid podcast. Gabe, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll start um, with a little bit of chat about Real Madrid. Uh, it feels like a huge summer for them, despite the fact they've just won uh, three Champions Leagues in a row. Yeah, it's an interesting
2: feeling to be a Real Madrid fan right now uh, because, of course... You know, with this entire team seemingly disbanding, you know, it's 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 almost like this core that everyone was expecting to kind of continue to do great things doesn't exist anymore. And so there's this mad scramble to sort of reform this team as if they weren't the team to beat over the last few years.
3: It is. It's, it you're spot on. It is so interesting. What who's the who's the bigger loss, Zidane or Ronaldo?
2: I mean, it's hard to replace Ronaldo. And, you know, I think that my personal bias is that Zidane, in his calming influence, has been one of those coaches that really can get the best out of all of the players that he has. But when you're losing a player that's created so many goals for you, it just, you know, carried the team on his back over the course of different years. I think it's hard not to say that Ronaldo is a bigger influence on the side than Zidane ever, you know, even though Zidane was so great for Madrid, it's hard to, it's hard to say that it's hard to say anyone other than Ronaldo. I mean, I look back to that match, you know, that, that, that Madrid were down by three goals to Wolfsburg and Ronaldo pulled out a hat trick out of the, out of his bag, out of nowhere, you know, just to bring the team by himself back into the match. So, you know, I, I'm not sure that Madrid wins, you know, more than one champions league with Zidane and, uh, without Ronaldo, so I think it's hard. It's it's Ronaldo's that uh, the the departure of Ronaldo really does signal the end of this era, even more than the departure of Zidane.
3: Yeah, no, the, the post-Ronaldo era at Real Madrid would be very interesting to see um, how that goes. Because as you say, that's, that's replacing a, a huge amount of goals. But you feel if any club is capable of replacing a star like Real Madrid, being able to attract those, those kind of players, then it is Real Madrid that is, is capable of doing that. How do you think they'll go about the, this summer market? Because we've seen Neymar linked, but the club have come out and made two statements saying they're, they're not interested. We don't think Mbappe will happen. Harry Kane probably isn't what they need. Mo Salah signed a, a new contract over at Liverpool how do they go about replacing Real Real Madrid with with Ronaldo? Because it feels like they do need a Galactica or they certainly need a a top quality player.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a feeling that if not for the, uh, uh, for the actual squad composition, the, just the belief that the fans will have in this team, there needs to be a new kind of big name that comes in. Right. and, you know, I think there's a lot of belief within the club that they've worked so hard to create a you know, a, a strong youth culture and, 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 and attract a lot of really, really talented young players. So the hope was always that when, you know, the inevitable happened, that either Father Time or Ronaldo himself decided to leave or something happened with, with his squad, that the youth players would be the next group to take that big leap. And then perhaps they wouldn't need to, uh, go out and replace Ronaldo exactly. But that being said, you know, obviously they're looking for everyone, and, and the, the market this this summer is particularly slim. So it's possible that we'll see Madrid, you know, try to have to settle for one of their choices that are much lower on the list. I mean, obviously, I think last time I was on, I said that obviously Mbappe and, and, and Neymar were choices A and A, A1 and A and A, um, and uh, Eden Hazard is choice B, but if, if they can't get any of those, they might have to drop to some of these lower level names. And, you know, so for example, we've heard in the last few days uh, at Manager Madrid that Mauro Icardi might be a name that, that, that people are tossing around. Now, he's not an international superstar the way that some of the other players are, but he's certainly a young player who can, who can provide goals for a team that is worried about that.
3: Yeah, One player that looks unlikely to join is David De Gea. It seems like every window we're linking David De Gea with Real Madrid, but he's he's made it known that he's going to be staying at Man United. Are you disappointed to hear that? Or after the Summer's World Cup, is the feeling about De Gea a little bit different?
2: Uh, I think that the Madrid board is very disappointed. They really did and still feel that De Gea is the best keeper in the world. They feel also that the best keeper in the world, if he's Spanish, should be playing for Real Madrid. Uh, but I think they also recognize the reality of the situation. And, you know, we, we have a lot of this historical memory of Madrid bringing in all these players, but we also tend to forget how much of a struggle it was to get them. And, you know, the, the players in Madrid gave up on in their day, like, for example, Ronaldinho or, or some others. And David De Gea looks to me to be one of those players that they've simply given up on and, and have moved on to... You know, choice B and even C in terms of their pursuit of keeper. And uh, what we're hearing specifically is that Madrid are in pretty high-level talks to acquire Thibaut Courtois from Chelsea, who has just had a fantastic World Cup and um, who Madrid believes will be able to regain that uh, world-beating form that he showed when he played for Atletico in that first year at Chelsea.
3: And Lapetegui, what what kind of um, season are you expecting from him? Because he doesn't feel particularly here in the UK the the kind of name that Zidane and other managers were before him. Um, how is yeah. he? How is how is he viewed in Spain? And what kind of perhaps patience if things don't go perfectly? Um, do you think Real Madrid will give? Because we were talking about Chelsea earlier again, a club in England that's very notorious for not right. giving managers time. I feel Real Madrid maybe maybe the same.
2: Yep, Madrid's exactly the same, and. uh, while he may have a little bit more name recognition, a little bit, you know, he bought himself a lot of goodwill by um, taking a Spain squad that everyone thought looked pretty bad and turning them into to world beaters. That is before he was sacked, before the World Cup. Uh, yeah, I don't think he will be given almost any time. I think that if you see in the first two months he sets, you know, with a wow. very bad first record, there may be some some leeway. But, you know, he could be out at mid-season. if his team doesn't doesn't perform to the level that they're expected of him.
3: Yeah, well, well on that note, I mean, last season, 17 points off Barcelona. Uh, Is the target, and I guess it sounds like a silly question, but the target has to be winning the league, right?
2: The target is the league this season. I mean, the target is always the Champions League with Real Madrid also, but if Madrid could have a season where they, they win the league and, you know, have a good run but don't end up winning the Champions League i think that everyone will feel like that was a success uh, especially because after the you know during that three Champions League runs there was only one double right there was there was only one season where they managed to beat um, barcelona or atletico to the league title and it, it is of primary importance to the madrid board that madrid reasserts itself as a, as a team to beat in spain itself because right you know especially last season smaller teams weren't just you know, bunkering down, they were coming out to get Real Madrid. And and you would see games where Madrid would both totally flabbergasted against a side like Girona or like Abar, which are these tiny teams that were just promoted. And we can't have that happen again. And I think that if we see, you know, Lopetegui struggle in some of those matches against these smaller or just promoted teams, uh, you may see already rumblings of, of him being replaced by, you know, some of the other names on the list that we mentioned before he was
3: hired. And a word on on the rest of La Liga. Obviously, it's Real Madrid sure. and Barca at the top, but the likes of Valencia, Sevilla. Um, I know Real Betis have got a, a quite an interesting project going on um, over over there. Is and obviously Atletico Madrid as, as well. Is is the gap closing with those other clubs? Are are there more teams now up there capable of challenging for Madrid and Barca, or, or does the, kind of the gap remain the same? That's
2: a great question. The the gap with Real Madrid and Barca remains the same just because the gap with Real Madrid and Barca and literally everyone else in the entire world still sort of exists. I mean, there are only about three, four clubs in the entire, entire world that can, uh, they can challenge them. But the overall quality of La Liga certainly improved. I mean, Real Betis, as you said, have made some really impressive signings. They've gone out and gotten a bunch of youngsters. I mean, they, they managed to replace Arguably the most impressive prospect in Spain last season, and and made a run at Europe. I expect them to do the same this season. Valencia has obviously, you know, ha, uh, has managed to lock down Rodrigo, who is the, um, you know, was by the end of the World Cup, Spain's World Cup run, the first sub off the bench and arguing for the first, you know, being the the first striker for Spain. They've locked him down uh, there working on building up that defense, obviously, and and changing their perceptions of feeder club for for teams like Madrid, Barca, and then obviously Manchester City and a couple of the other uh, uh, bigger clubs. And then Atletico, who have, uh, by all accounts, had a fantastic offseason bringing in Thomas Lamar. And by retaining Antoine Griezmann, which was a previously, you know, I would never have put my money on, on Griezmann staying at Atletico, given the way that he had uh, he had acted all summer, and the and the kind of ringer that he put his fans through.
3: <laughs> yeah, and just lastly, Gabe, you mentioned that the Spanish national team there, and that almost you felt that it was, it was a weak squad that Lopetegui, um had, had taken to the World Cup, which is certainly not how fans in England would, would, would view the Spain squad. But we now know that Luis Enrique is, is the coach there. What, what, kind of right. job has, what kind of job has he got? Because, again, we, we sit here looking at the, the talent that Spain have thinking, what an easy job that must be to, to be able to manage that <laughs> team. But do you think it's maybe a bit of a challenging or, or a kind of changing of the guard over in, in Spanish football?
2: I think he's got what he's got to do, which is what Lopit a little bit. kind of did, which is put his own imprimatur right and, and and bring his own style to the team. So not not totally rethink the way that the Spanish team plays, but also uh, use the assets that are there. Right, so Xavi, the the old Barcelona legend, and and now uh, someone who's clearly angling for coaching jobs. Has said that he wouldn't change a thing at all in terms of the way Spain plays, and I think that that and a lot of the the, the, the a lot of fans in Spain don't agree with that. That actually that Pep Guardiola style or you know Tiki Taka style that Del Bosque really you know brought into form at that 2010 World Cup has really gone out of uh, uh, out of flavor, and and especially with the talent that Spain has, they actually have a lot of. Direct players, they have a lot of fast players. And it, Luis Enrique's strategy at Barcelona, if you remember his tenure, it was two years where he brought them from the tiki taka era to a much more direct style that focused on their young talent and Neymar and Suarez, their goal scoring ability that Messi finally flourished. I mean, finally, that but, but Messi flourished under. And he brought this team that was really used to a slow build-up into a, into a team that was very fast, very direct, and scored a lot of goals. And so if he can do the same thing with the Spanish national team, I think that would be a very big step forward for them.
3: Fantastic stuff. That's Gabe Lesbra from the Managing Madrid podcast.
1: Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime.